welcome again. And uh, yeah, I'm just really anticipating uh, this morning just a real, um, well, there is a real sense of God's presence. But even as we look into the scriptures, my hope is that we would actually hear what God has to say um, more than, like way more than what we hear, um, what people have to say. And I just want to preface before we jump into, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 6 this morning. Um, But uh, I said in the email that I sent out earlier this week that um, this has happened quite a few times in the years since being in Thunder Bay and being the pastor here, where I usually plan out what I'm going to be speaking on pretty far in advance. Um, Like I know the series and then I know kind of what's like where the, which sermons fall into which series. And uh, leading up to the, the week of the Sunday, I'm working on the sermon that, you know, I already know the title and kind of the focus um, but there's been quite a few times where I'm getting ready uh, for the upcoming Sunday, and I'm like looking at what's going on in the world, and I think, man, God, it was like God knew. Right? Like he, it was like he knew in advance that um, this is what was going to be going on, and this is what we'd need to be looking into. And that's what I felt this week. Um, and there is a, I don't, and I don't know how much you're tuning into what's going on in Ottawa or what's going on in our, like all across kind of the, the country right now, um, but there is a heaviness in Canada. Um, and there's a lot of division right now in our country. Um, and I don't know if you've, what, what, how you wrestle through this, but um, I'm really concerned. When I go looking up stuff on YouTube or Google, uh, I get concerned that I have like a catered algorithm. And what I mean by that is um, if you start looking up certain videos or certain content, that's what you're going to find when you open up your browser, so Google or YouTube or whatever it is, you'll find stuff that supports the view that you have. And so that's one of the things that when, I'm, when stuff like this is going on, I get concerned. If I'm, if I'm getting really worked up, I start thinking, well, I wonder if, if stuff's kind of being streamlined, if my YouTube or my Google searches are like catered, if I'm seeing stuff that, you know, is supporting what I already believe. Um, and that got me thinking about how, you know, I, I really want more than anything to be influenced by what God has to say. So in the current days that we live in, and as a, you know, we're in this series, and we're looking at the book of Daniel, and we're, it's, a, it's a whole series on the book of Daniel about how to be a follower of God in a society that doesn't believe him or acknowledge him. And so in Daniel's context, it was a polytheistic society. Um, they thought their king was some kind of a god, but they had all these other gods that they worshipped, and he was high up in the government. He had to figure out how to follow God in the midst of this really uh, kind of anti-God society. And similar today, as followers of Jesus in Canada, um, we face a similar challenge about, you know, how to be a a follower of Jesus in a society that is moving away from that in in a lot of respects. And so, one of the things that I think about is, Lord, like, I just want to know what you think. (laughs) Because if you know me, you know this about me, I really value hearing the other side of the argument. So, if if I'm really worked up about something that's going on politically or something going on in our country... I really value hearing somebody who has a completely opposite view of mine because I want to see if there's any validity to that. And one of the challenging things, and I just want to say this as we jump in this morning, um, one of the challenges that I've seen in our country and, and, and this issue right now, if we're thinking about the, the convoy and what's happening in Ottawa, is that there's actually Jesus followers on either side of the arguments that we're seeing right now. And I actually intentionally, I talk to people who are Jesus followers, who are on both sides of this, because I want to find out, like, how do you love Jesus and have 
opposing views, right? And so as a pastor, one of my concerns is I want to see people be able to have unity with each other and love God and worship with each other. Um, but I think it's important to address, you know, some of our firmly held convictions and beliefs. And in this crisis, in this situation that we're, that we're seeing our country in right now, there are Jesus followers on, on well, I'm, I'm not even going to say two sides. There's multiple sides of, of the issue. And I'm going to look into the Scripture today, and I want to say that as we do, um, I also want you to, to take even what I'm saying um, and filter it through the Scriptures. One of the, one of the things that I get nervous about as a pastor is I don't ever want to get up and say to you, here's what God thinks, unless I know that I'm speaking what God believes. And so, if I'm talking about an issue that um, is, you know, going on in Canada or there's something, and you're not sure what you think about it, like, feel free to go to the Scriptures and say, like, is what he's saying in line with the Scriptures? Because that's one of the things that, that is dangerous for, for people that have any position of leadership at all, is that sometimes they'll communicate something in a way that's like, well, this is the only way to see it. And, and as followers of Jesus, we all know that, like, human beings are flawed, leaders are flawed. There's been leaders in the church, there's been leaders in government, there's been leaders in all kinds of institutions that, that have shown, you know, that they're, they're flawed. And as followers of Jesus, we actually, and one of the main things I want to talk about today, we have this higher power that we submit to. It's God. <laughs> and he's revealed himself in Jesus. And so I just want to say that. So as I talk through this, my, my desire is to point you to the truth of Scripture and what God has to say. Um, but if you're wrestling with, you know, if, if some of my opinions come out, as I'm talking with you this morning, I want you to recognize that um, I'm also a human being that has opinions, and God has challenged me many times in my life with my wrong thinking. Um, and I always want to go back to what he's revealed to us in the scripture and, and who he is. And, I, and that's really important to be able to do that. And so um, I've got a little slide up here, and I just want a uh, little picture, and, and um, I, I can't talk about what we're talking about without addressing this, you know, what's happening in our country right now. But I want to say to you, just don't take the bait, okay? Because what, what is going on right now in our country? So we, we've seen in the last couple of weeks, there's been an announcement that restrictions and mandates are, are lifting, which is what everybody's been hoping for. You know, when, when all of this started two years ago, everybody was just anticipating the day when, the, when the, the heavy restrictions, the gathering restrictions, the masks, all that stuff would eventually lift. And so what's really interesting is that a few weeks ago, these announcements started to come out. We're seeing some provinces that are saying, okay, we're easing restrictions. We're going to get to the point where we're not enforcing all these things. The, um, the, the passport system is going to be out. You know, we're not going to be requiring vaccine passports and all this stuff. These announcements are coming out, but we're still insanely divided. And there's, and, and, and there's some really divisive things being said. And so what, what I'm seeing happening with real people, this is in, in Thunder Bay, but it's also across Canada, is that there's people that are in favor of the Freedom Convoy, and, and they're, they're all excited about it, and these restrictions are being eased, and they're going, see, the convoy's accomplished what it was set out to accomplish, and we're winning. And then there's people that are like, no, we shouldn't have occupation in Ottawa. We want the truckers to leave. And they're saying, well, all of those restrictions, they were going to be lifted without the convoy. And so there's just this, like, insane anger. And, and I want to say this, and you know me, you know, for, I've been here for four and a half years, and I'm really careful not to, I don't want to sway people politically, um, but I want to address some things. Our, our prime minister has said some things that I believe have caused a lot of hatred and, and, and is painting a group of people 
in our nation as bad. He's, he's made some comments, and if you've been following, you know what I'm referring to, but um, he's, he's not been willing to go and address what's happening in Ottawa, specifically with, with some of the leadership there. And some of the comments that he's made, um, where he's said, you know, this group of people, they're, they're racist, or they're misogynistic, and they're unscientific. And he said some things that are painting a whole group of people as if they're this evil, horrible group of people. And I've been following both sides of this, and one of the things that concerns me is, is that kind of, of language where we start to demonize a whole group of people, it's really dangerous thinking. Really dangerous. It's, it's divisive, and it pits people against each other. And what I, want you to, what I want to challenge you with is wherever you fall on this issue today, um, what I want to encourage you with is if you meet somebody here in this congregation who has a different political view to you, so maybe you're completely in favor of the convoy, and you meet somebody who's like, I think the truckers should leave. I just want you to remember that person is not Trudeau, <laughs> okay? And if, if you're on the other side of it and, and you, you, know, you meet somebody who has a different view, I just want you to remember, like, the person you're talking to, um, they don't probably, okay, they don't have the kind of power to make the changes that you're hoping to see happen. And so just be willing to, to hear people out. There, there's lots of different sides to this issue, and my, my encouragement to us is don't take the bait and start to, to demonize and villainize a whole group of people. It's really dangerous. That kind of division, and, and, and one of the things that I've talked about a lot um, from this stage and when I open the scriptures is um, John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays that the, his followers would have the same kind of unity as is experienced in the Trinity, that um, the same kind of love and unity that the Father has with the Son has the Holy Spirit that we would have with each other. And so the reason I'm addressing some of the comments that our Prime Minister has said uh, is because some of those comments are, are, are leading towards an incredible amount of division and even hatred towards a group of people. And I just want to encourage you, don't take the bait. You'll notice that when Randy prayed his prayer this morning, he's praying something that I, I think we can all agree with. We, we don't want to see evil win the day in our country. We don't want to see leaders that lead us towards a place that is, is ungodly. Right? We, we can agree with it. Regardless of where we fall, as followers of Jesus, we can agree with that. We can say, yes, amen. We want to see God at work in our country. We want to see people love each other. We want to hear each other out as we, as we wrestle through different things. And I just want to really challenge you, don't take the bait and just demonize and hate people that are on opposite sides of this than you are. I've got friends that, um, that are in the ministry, that are pastors that are on uh, strong ends of either side of this. And what's been interesting to me, and as a follower of Jesus, like, I'm just intrigued. And if you want to corner me later and ask me privately what my opinion is, I have no problem sharing that. Um, I, I think that's, that's healthy to do. I, I'm, I'm really careful to, to do that from the pulpit. Um, but one of the things that I've been really interested by is, like, how do leaders who love Jesus, you know, take these kinds of stances? And especially, and, and if you've got a really strong feeling about something, and, and, and you think, well, if somebody believes this or behaves that way or, or thinks that this should happen, they must be just absolutely horrible. I just want to challenge you if, you, if you know somebody that has a view that's very opposite to yours, in real life, just be willing to have a conversation. Be willing to hear that person out and, and realize that you're likely not talking to somebody who has power. They're not the one implementing these kinds of, of things. And it's important to be able to wrestle through things. So just whatever you do, don't take the bait. Okay, don't, don't start to hate and demonize a whole group of people. 
Don't start to assume that they're evil people if they have a certain belief. Just, just be careful not to take the debate. The, the kind of division that we're seeing in our country is really unhealthy. And, and I believe firmly, I, I believe this with my whole heart, that the church of Jesus is supposed to lead the way in what it looks like to be united. That we really are. Like we're supposed to lead the way in what it looks like to unite with people that are different and love Jesus and put him first. We've, we've got to be ones that lead in that way. And I believe God has given us the ability to do that. And so, so maybe you're, you're uncomfortable that I, I brought um, Trudeau up, but I, I'm concerned enough that um, some of the comments and some of the things that he said are just so divisive. And I, I believe that's something that we can't follow suit in. Um, I do feel strongly enough about that, that um, I just want to challenge us as a church. And if you're tuning in online, um, don't follow suit in demonizing a whole group of people. That kind of division is, is not scriptural. It's not something that um, God desires for his people. He desires that we would be united um, with each other. Um, so we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6 uh, today. And in this book of Daniel, um, if you've been tracking with us in this series, Daniel, um, basically he was abducted. So Israel was a nation, and they had been serving God for hundreds of years. They had kings. They were surrounded by other nations. And the, the kingdom of Babylon came in and just d- destroyed Israel and abducted a few people and said, we're going to force you to come and serve in Babylon in the government. And so Daniel's one of these guys, um, you know, super intelligent. He was, he was smart. He had leadership abilities. He says he was good looking. Um, you know, I pointed out early on in the series that... Um, there's no evidence in here of, like, Daniel's weaknesses. He's one of the few scriptural characters that doesn't show um, there's no, like, weakness. Like, when you think about Moses or Abraham, these guys had some pretty major flaws. Um, but it's really likely Daniel wrote the book of Daniel, and he wanted the world to know he was good-looking. So I, I, just, I just wanted to say, you know, if, if, if Daniel's really the author and he put that in there that he was good-looking, you can look that up in the uh, first chapter. Um, I don't know, you could consider that a flaw, I guess. He just, he wanted us all to know he was a pretty good-looking guy. So um, we're going to look at uh, Daniel chapter 6, and I just want to say, too, before we um, read this, I want you to be aware of some things. This is a really famous story. You've likely heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and uh, we're going to look at it from a different perspective today. And, and obviously, today I'm talking about civil disobedience. Daniel, um, because of his faith in God decides to um, disobey a direct order from his government. But I also want you to know, um, Daniel did not live in a democracy. So whenever we talk about civil disobedience from a biblical perspective, there's no, uh, there's no time in biblical history where the people lived in a democracy like we understand it here in Canada. So that's just important to know. As we're interpreting, like, God, what does this mean for us to live this out today? Like, even in the New Testament... Um, the, the New Testament writers, like, they didn't live in a democracy where they had the freedom to go and challenge the government. You saw it earlier, like, earlier in the series. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He was like, yeah, and if you oppose me, I'm going to rip your arms off. Nice guy, right? <laughs> like, and he legit did that, okay? If you read some of this stuff, like, you think the movie we're going to show next week is graphic. If we put some of the Bible stories on, like, uh, in a movie, it would be gross, okay? <laughs> some of these kings were just like, insane. Like, they could literally rip your arms off or throw you into a den of lions. Um, and, and so, 
Just remember this, that he, he's, he doesn't live in a democracy, and so we'll, we'll talk about that. But I'm going to read Daniel chapter 6. It'll be up on the screen if you want to follow along. Let me just pray before we, we read this. Lord, I just want to, um, I just want to acknowledge the fact that um, I'm a, a human being, and I'm also a pastor that wants to point us as a people to you and to your truth. And Lord, um, my ideas are not always right. Um, I don't always get everything uh, correct, and you've corrected me many times. And I just pray that as we talk about this, Lord, that um, we would hear what you have to say, and that we'd even be able to separate what would be my opinion, what would be our opinions as we're listening, from what is actually true, from what you're saying. Help us to separate what we, we feel strongly about but may be wrong on from what you say that is unchangeable, that is absolutely true. So as we look into your word, Lord, help us to be the kind of people that can hear you, uh, and then we can actually put that into practice in our lives. We welcome you and help us to hear you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So Daniel chapter 6, Darius the Mede divided, or decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. So Babylon was like the kingdom in the day, okay? I was reading this story with my kids earlier this week, and I was like, how many provinces uh, are in Canada? Anybody know? How many provinces? Ten. And then how many territories? Oh, they know. They remember. Three. So um, this just puts it into perspective. In Babylon, there's 120 provinces, okay? It's this massive kingdom. They, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar ruled the known world at the time, okay? He had all kinds of power. So, or this is about Darius, sorry. He's the, the next king uh, in line, a couple after Nebuchadnezzar. Darius to me decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. So Daniel was like above all the premiers, top dog. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling the government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We have background music too. Thank you, Arlene. <laughs> The administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, this is like, and I'm going to highlight this, I love this part of the story. So this law gets signed. Daniel's this high-ranking official in, in the government. He's, he's a super powerful guy. He's been um, respected for many, many years. The reason he got the position was because he was very capable. He was known to be faithful. Um, he'd always done his job really well. And then this law gets passed that you, have to, you can only pray to Darius the king. And so, it, and the scriptures don't show us any of Daniel's internal thinking. It just seems like he's matter of fact. He's like, okay, he goes home and he prays anyway. 
Like, I just love the, nothing's changed for Daniel. And that's, that's one of the things I want to highlight in this story is that, like, Daniel doesn't, he doesn't have this attitude of, like, well, I just want to, like, I want to disobey the government. I hate authority. Like, Daniel doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He's not the kind of guy that's, like, looking for a, a way to be civilly disobedient. He was just faithful to God. And as soon as it became illegal to be faithful to God, nothing changed. He just continued to be faithful to God. That's a really important point. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. I mean, he could have closed the windows, right? I mean, he could have been, in, but it was like he'd never done that before. And so he thought, why would he change? Like he'd always gone and prayed to God in a place that people saw. He didn't really care that he was being seen. He just, that's the way that he prayed. That's the way that he worshiped. And as soon as it became illegal to do that, he just went home and he prayed as usual, like he'd always done. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel shouted, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Another point I want you to notice is that if you're innocent in God's sight, it's okay if you're guilty before people. That's really, really important. It doesn't matter. Like, if people think you're guilty, if people accuse you of things, if they, if they paint you in a really bad light, like, none of that matters if you're innocent before God. I mean, you could be brought up on trial. You could be thrown in a den of lions. Earlier in this book, uh, Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they were being, like, the king was trying to force them to bow down to this idol, and they refused to do it. And I love their response. They say to him, and we're gonna, we'll read the verse later, but they, they basically say to him, king, like, even if we die, we're not going to obey you. We're not going to do what you said, because that's like a direct disobeying of our God. And so, even if you're guilty before men, no matter what men and women think of you today, if, as long as you're innocent before God, it's okay, which is an amazing promise for a, a Jesus follower, okay? It's incredible. So the king was overjoyed, and he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. What a brutal guy, Right? Like, I mean, I don't know if you ever stop when you're reading stories like this in the Bible, but this, like, king, like, sometimes preachers, they're like, look, Darius changed. He believed in God. I'm like, 
He threw like a whole family into the lion's den. He's got like wives and children and like this guy, like yes, he was saying, oh, God is real now, but he was still a, a tyrant, right? Like it was brutal, some of these stories. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So, uh, quite a story. And I, th- I want to, this will be up on the screen. I, I, this is like, if you were, I always try to find one thing that if you remember that, I'll feel like something was accomplished, okay? <laughs> uh, remember this, if you're going to remember anything. Disobedience to human authorities is only permissible when practicing obedience to the highest authority. So one of the things that we learned from the story of Daniel is that if we're going to, not even just Daniel, we, like, we can get into all kinds of other stories. There's stories in the New Testament of the apostles that had to disobey their governments. Esther um, is another example of somebody who disobeyed a direct order of the king. Um, but in the scriptures, one of the things that you'll find is that disobedience to human authorities is only permissible when practicing obedience to the highest authority. Okay? And that's a, that's a principle that we see in Scripture. And when people did that, when people that were followers of God actually uh, acted in this way, um, some of them actually lost their lives for it. But God was blessing their actions. God was with them. And I'm not talking about um, small things. Like if, I'm not talking about if you go one kilometer over the, the speed limit. Okay? <laughs> Just want you to, I was actually thinking about this this week. I shared it in prayer this morning. I was like, I had this sentence worked out because I was like, I really want people to, to hear this. And uh, I was driving from my house to the church, and my window was like covered with ice still, and I could see a little bit, but it was, it's not a very long drive. And I was like thinking, this is illegal. You're not supposed to do this. Um, but then I thought of the scripture verse where Paul, you know, remember that where Paul says, I see through a glass dimly? I thought, uh, I thought, man, I'm actually being biblical right now. I'm only seeing through the glass dimly. And so, anyway, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> This was on my mind, okay? I'm just thinking about this and what it looks like. But um, what we see here in Scripture, and you'll see this from multiple stories, disobedience to human authorities is only permissible when practicing obedience to the highest authority. So we read in this story that we just um, read from Daniel chapter 6, it says, First, Daniel was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So there was a group of, of, of leaders that hated Daniel, and they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to remove him from, from leadership, and they tried to find dirt on him. And the only dirt they could find on Daniel was in how much he obeyed God. You know, as I, as I read the story, and I think about what's going on in our country, and I think about how, um, you know, there are some people in Ottawa that are practicing civil disobedience, and, and some of them are doing things that are horrible, that I would not condone, that I would not say, hey, that's okay. Some of them are doing things, and they're saying they're doing this in obedience to God. And so, as I wrestle through, like, what, is, what does that look like? And there's, there's all kinds of other examples you can think of, of times where people have been practicing civil disobedience. But as a follower of Jesus, if we look at Daniel as our example, like, is there dirt in our lives? Like, 
do we already have this attitude of, like, we hate authority? Because if there's an attitude in our hearts of hatred of authority, it's ungodly. It's really clear in Scripture. And Paul and Peter both, if you read 1 Peter and if you read Romans, Peter and Paul both unequivocally, very specifically, said to obey the governing authorities. Both Peter and Paul were killed by those governing authorities that they told the Christian communities to obey. You realize that? Like, if you study early church history, like, both of these men, leaders of the church, were killed by the very authority that they told the churches, don't, uh, don't disobey these authorities. But then there were times where they did disobey, and they were a part of that. And you can read Acts, and you can find that out. And it was when the disobedience um, was motivated by a, a, a desire to please God. But in their lives, they, they, they lived in such a way that, um, that you couldn't find dirt on them. You couldn't accuse them of something um, that was wrong or evil or sinful. So the only thing you could find to accuse these guys of was their devotion to God. And I was like, man, like, what if God does that in us as a church? Like, what if here in 21st century Canada, as followers of Jesus, that we are so committed to following God that if people wanted to find dirt on us, they wouldn't be able to do so unless they've made it illegal in some way to worship God and honor Him? Like, what if we lived our lives in that way? And, and I think even as we pray, um, I just want to encourage you to, to really bring your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything in me that is a wrong attitude or a wrong heart motive? And if so, correct it. Verse 10, um, I'm going to re-read that, and I want to share an example, another example of, of something that's current. But verse 10 says, When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he'd always done, giving thanks to God. When the law was passed, making it illegal to pray, nothing changed for Daniel. He'd always been committed to God. He'd always prayed. I want to share another real example, and I wrestled with whether or not to even share this. Um, and I know there's strong feelings in, in Canada on these things, but I think if we're going to actually talk about what it means to follow Jesus, we have to talk about what that actually looks like, right? What does that look like in response to some of the things that are happening in our country? If you follow the news, um, Bill C-6 just went through the House in this past fall. And so Bill C-6, um, if you're not familiar with it, it's where conversion therapy is being banned. And if you're not familiar with conversion therapy, conversion therapy um, was a form of therapy um, that was practiced here in Canada where if somebody um, was to say, I, you know, I have uh, homosexual struggles or desires or feelings then they, would be, they could be subjected to something called conversion therapy where they were sort of uh, forced into thinking a different way about their sexuality or whatever, right? So we're getting real, okay? I want to talk about this in a very real way. As a follower of Jesus, um, the Scriptures talk about um, God's blessing on marriage between a man and a woman. In Canada, to teach about these kinds of things is getting a little bit trickier because of some of the things that are being passed. Um, I will say this, when, when conversion therapy was being talked about in the House of Commons and when this was a huge um, thing that was all over social media and it was in the news, when I did research on conversion therapy, if it were me personally, I wouldn't have voted to defend conversion therapy. A lot of the examples of what conversion therapy actually is are absolutely 
horrible. And, and I actually, uh, I appreciate that we live in a country where people have freedom um, to live their lives, even in a way that would be opposed to God, as long as it's not, you know, causing harm or violence towards other people. I think that it's important for us to not try to force our way on people. So as a, as a person, I'll just say, I wouldn't have defended it. But like Daniel, and I'll, I'll tell you my, my response, when I think about what it means to be a Jesus follower today and as a pastor, if someone's going to come to me and we're going to talk about sexuality, we're going to talk about marriage, we're going to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'm always going to point to what the Scriptures teach. Like Daniel, nothing changed. So when the law passed that made it illegal to pray, he just went and continued doing what he'd always done. He didn't even, you don't even see Daniel, and again, it's not a democracy, I realize there's a difference there, but you don't see Daniel go and, and advocate to the king and say, hey, listen, I have actually prayed to Yahweh, so I want to continue doing that. Um, he doesn't go and have that conversation. He just goes and he continues to follow God. And this, this topic, and, and I'm, I, the reason I wrestled with bringing it up is because to, to talk about something like this without unpacking it in a full sermon, um, you may not fully uh, get to hear my, my thinking on it and my heart um, fleshed out on this and what the scriptures teach. Um, I've always had a desire to build relationships with, with all people, to be welcoming of all people, regardless of where they come from, um, you know, in their, what they identify as sexually, um, who they want to be with, who they want to marry. I believe that the gospel is for everyone. But as a follower of Jesus, um, I also realize, like, the scriptures give us um, instructions on, on what marriage looks like according to how God has planned and laid out for it to be. And so, even though when this Bill C-6 went through, um, I wouldn't have defended and said, hey, um, no, no, conversion therapy should still be allowed. I actually disagree with what conversion therapy is. I want to be clear on that. But I also, when, when these laws get passed, like, as a, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to change my convictions based on what's happening in our society. I'm not going to change um, how I would pray with somebody, how I would counsel, how I would lead them to, towards Jesus. Like, that doesn't change just because the laws in the country change. And Daniel modeled that well. He hears that the law has changed. Okay, now it's illegal to pray. If you're going to do that, you could be killed. So what does Daniel do? He immediately he just walks home and he prays like he always had. And as a follower of, of Jesus, I, I believe that's how we live our lives. I, I do think there's been some damage done um, in the political realm when things are fought and, and when, when Christians come across like we're trying to force our way of life on the rest of the nation and we want to legislate it and use power. One of the things that, that I love about the Scripture is that the people that, that actually lived their lives to follow God often gave up their lives for His sake. They didn't use power to force their views. They didn't use power to force their way on people. They just pointed people to God. And some, for some of them, it meant actually giving up their lives. It actually meant potentially losing their life. And there's, there's lots of other examples. I, I, wanna, I want us to have an opportunity to, um, to, clo uh, to close and just spend some time worshiping God. Um, but I want to, I wanna, there's a slide. I'm going to skip the uh, the reference from Daniel chapter 3, um, Truman. And I'm going to, there's a, another slide I want to put up here to live as Christ. And uh, I was reading a devotional this week, and the, uh, it was about joy. And it was so in line with what I wanted to share this morning, and one of the things I want to leave you with as we talk about this. Um, Paul is an example of somebody who lived for Jesus 
in the midst of a society that was opposed to that way of life. And Paul is actually another example of somebody who actually gave up his life um, for the sake of the gospel. And one of the things that he said famously is he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I want you just, I want to do a little thought exercise this morning. I want you to put something else in the blank. In this devotional that I was reading this week about joy, what this devotional writer was saying was he's saying, if you put anything else in that blank, then to die means loss. So, to live is money. Well, if you live for money, when you die, you've lost. If, if you live for pleasure, well, if, if you live for pleasure, when you die, that's lost. You've lost. If you live for happiness, you know, one of the biggest beliefs that we have in 21st century North America today is, well, just be happy. The most important thing in the world is just be happy. If we live for that, if, if we put all our eggs in one basket and we're like, I just want to, I'm going to live in such a way that my life is happy. Well, if you die in the middle of that, you've lost everything. And what this devotional writer said, and it was so profound, and I, and I really hope you, you hear this and take it to heart this morning, was he was saying, but if you put anything in that blank other than eter- someone who's eternal, Jesus, then you've lost. But if that blank is filled like Paul did, to live is Christ. If, if to live means to live for Jesus, well, then when you die, you actually gain because you're fully with him. Do you understand what I mean by that? I want you to really catch this as we bring this to a close. If, if, if you live for anything else, if it's happiness, if it's even reputation, you know, some of the things we're talking about this morning um, are unpopular. I realize that even as a Jesus follower, some of the, the things that I believe dearly, like a whole dear in my heart, are, are unpopular. And so there is a temptation, I believe, that we all face, that we want to be liked, we want to be understood, we don't want to be categorized as something that we're not. But if you live for your reputation, well, if you die, you've lost everything. But if you live for Jesus, if you're like one of these people who takes the gospel seriously and you go, you know what? My whole life is for Jesus. I just live for him. So you live that way and say you're mischaracterized. Say people say things about you that are untrue. Say you're looked at as a horrible person, but you're truly living for Jesus. Well, if you die in that state, you've only gained. You've gained everything. But if you live for anything else, if there's anything else that we, we, put, we fill that blank in with, well, to die is actually just loss. Because, because then you don't get the thing that you were living for, that you were trying so hard for. And there are so many people, I don't know if you're, you're tuning in online this morning or where you're at, but there's so many of us that we actually live for something else. The thing that we get up in the morning and we're motivated by is, is for pleasure or it's for happiness, it's for our reputation, it's for our appearance, it's for having the right spouse someday, whatever it is. And, 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 like, life is so fragile. Like, if you die in the middle of that pursuit, you've lost everything. And what Paul was saying, it's not this, like, wet blanket of, like, oh, you don't get to live a joyful life. What he was saying was, like, he was totally at peace because his whole life was lived for Jesus. And so if you've, if you've, if you've surrendered your life to him and if he's filled you, then it doesn't matter if your reputation goes down the drain here on earth. It doesn't matter if you've lost all of your finances here on earth. It doesn't matter. I mean, he wrote from a prison cell. Right? He wasn't, do you think that was like a happy time for him where he's like living the dream, right? Like he writes from this prison cell and he was saying, but, you know, so for me to live means I'm going to continue living for Jesus. I'm going to point people to him wherever I go. But then if I die, I've gained everything because I'm with him for all eternity. Like what an incredible principle. And, and I want to just encourage you to, to, to wrestle through, is that the way that I'm living my life? I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to close with a couple songs and there's a lot I couldn't get to, and, and again, um, 
I just want to say as I, as I close, I brought up this, this bill, C6. If, it's very likely that if there's someone tuning in online, there's people, maybe multiple people that are here in the room or you're tuning in online and, and um, you've got attraction for the same sex or I brought, I brought this up and this is something that wrestled. I just, I just want you to know that you're loved, you're valued, and there is no desire to marginalize um, a group of people. The gospel is so beautiful because it welcomes all of us. And so, um, but there's also truths in the gospel that when we live by them, it can make us really unpopular and it can be really difficult um, to walk those things out in the, you know, in the, the country we live in, the time we live in. And as followers of Jesus, I, I just want to challenge all of us um, to, to take Paul's words seriously and to, and to think about, like, does it really, for me, does it mean to live as Christ and to die as gain? Like, am I truly living for him? Have I encountered him? Um, if not, I would encourage you, don't leave before coming and uh, talking to somebody on the leadership team and praying. Um, and I just want to give a, a couple applications before we worship. Um, I want to encourage you to pray. So as you wrestle through some of the, the beliefs and the, the challenges of, of, of living today and the mixture of politics and religion, like take some things to God in prayer. If you act um, on some of your, your, your convictions, um, I would encourage you to do so as unto God himself and, and uh, refuse to uh, take the bait that we talked about earlier. Refuse to, to buy into the, this idea that the other side is like somehow evil um, and, and learn to, to, to love and to have good, challenging conversations um, and point each other to, to Christ. Let's pray. And then we'll, uh, let's just stand together and we'll close with these, these couple songs. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. Um, Lord, there's, there's some things going on right now in our country that are hard to talk about. They're hard to face. They're hard to wrestle through. They're hard to, they're hard to think about. But Lord, we have this hope. Whenever we read the scriptures, we see people that they just trusted in you. And um, they were all flawed human beings like us, but they trusted in you, the God of perfection, the God who's never wrong. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help all of us to just fully trust you with our whole hearts. And God, just for as we wrestle through what it looks like to, to be united, to be a community that loves each other, a community that loves you, to embrace each other, as we wrestle through all of that, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to hear your voice. Help us to, to be the kind of people that are actually more concerned with what you say than with what all the different opinions that are coming at us are saying, Lord. Help us to be really concerned with you, with your word, with your truth, and help us to love each other uh, regardless of our differences, regardless of where we fall on some of these issues. Help us to love each other well. I just pray for your blessing on us. And just as we sing these last couple songs, Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to speak to us and lead us towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing another song this morning that may be new to you, but 